2: Beloved, the cross devastates human pride. The cross devastates human arrogance. The cross devastates human effort. The cross devastates our desire to save ourselves. The cross devastates our wanting to take credit for salvation. And that is why the Bible from cover to cover says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness
0: of sins. Welcome to Leading the Way, the Bible teaching of pastor and best-selling author, Dr. Michael Youssef. Currently, Dr. Yusuf is giving you a close-up look at Moses and how he gave up everything the world had to offer for everything God had to offer. A great lesson for life as we navigate the unique cultural views in 2023. Today, teaching about an historical event of epic proportions, the Ten Plagues in Egypt. And the first Passover, a time when blood and tears flowed, yet despite the unimaginable pain and loss, this event foreshadows God bringing salvation to those who call on Him through the name of Jesus. Listen with me and be encouraged in your faith journey from Dr. Michael Yusuf on this episode of Leading the Way. Here in chapter
2: 12 of the book of Exodus, we see how God continuing to lead the people into this act of foreshadowing what? The cross. cross. And from that day on, the Jewish nation practiced this Passover for 1,600 years. Year after year, they will gather for this Passover celebration. Every time they celebrated the Passover, they were pointing to the cross of Jesus. Every time They talked about God delivering them. They were pointing to Jesus and the coming of Jesus, where He will shed His own blood on the cross. Look with me, verse 5. The lamb is a male, foreshadowing Jesus. The lamb is without blemish, not a sickly one, but perfect, foreshadowing the sinlessness and the perfection of Jesus. Verse 6, they shed the blood of that lamb. And verse 7, the blood is to be sprinkled on the doorposts and the door frames of the outside of the house. And in verse 11, they eat the roasted lamb while dressed up, packed up, and ready to go. Verse 12, God said, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will smite the firstborn, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. It is against the gods of Egypt, against Satan, for whom these gods are storefront, that God was exercising judgment. Verse 13, but when I see the blood on the doorposts, I will pass over. That's where Passover comes from. When I see that blood on the doorposts, I am going to pass you by, pass you over. I'm going to save you. And from that day on, the feast of the Passover has been established until it found its complete fulfillment, until it found its total fulfillment, until it found its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. For on the cross, God's Son, the Lamb of God, the Lamb without a blemish, perfect, sinless in every way, tempted like we are, but without sin, There He shed His most innocent blood of all. From that moment on, animal sacrifice has ceased. Are you with me? For how, pray tell me, God can be satisfied with the shedding of an animal sacrifice after His Son shed His own innocent blood on the cross? Now back to... Exodus 12. In Yahweh's final determination to liberate His people, who for 400 years, they were not only knee-deep in mud, but they had the whips of the Egyptian slave masters on their backs. Slavery for 400 years. In Yahweh's final determination to liberate His people from the slavery from Egypt, He acted decisively and with finality. By this, The final catechismic judgment, Israel, was set free. Just as the ultimate Passover, the fulfillment of the Passover, the final Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ, when He hung on that cross and rose again to defeat death, He freed us from sin. He set us free. Hear me right, please. Before Christ came into my life, and I know this is a testimony of many of you, it's not just me, before Christ came into my life, I was a slave to sin. Before Christ came into my life, I was subjected to a cruel master. Before Christ came into my life, I had no power to resist. Before Christ came into my life, I had no hope of eternal life in heaven with Him. Uh, but because His final victory in the cross, Jesus set me free. When He came into my life, He set me free. Free to say no to sin. Free to defeat guilt and shame. Free to live in hope, regardless of my circumstances, to be in peace. Free to overcome fear and worry and anxiety that easily surround us. Free to be victorious through the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give Him praise. In the last message... We saw how Yahweh defeated these false gods of Egypt, as I said. Here in the tenth judgment, the final, the final blow, the ultimate God of Egypt, the future God of gods of Egypt, the first son of Pharaoh, is dead. There's no future. And so God said on the tenth day of the month of Nisan, or or however you pronounce it, uh, this is around... September, October for us, the father of the household is to choose the lamb without spot and blemish. Not a sickly one, but absolutely without blemish. And to bring this lamb to the house, let the children play with it. Let the family be attached to it. Let the whole family get close to that lamb. And after a couple of days, that lamb was slain in front of those precious kids, Listen to me, the blood of the lamb had to be sprinkled on the doorposts of the house on the outside. The lamb should be roasted by fire, not any other way. Why? Because fire represents righteousness and judgment. That family is to eat the lamb together. And with the shock and the horror on their faces of what they just had seen in the slaying of that innocent lamb, they'll be ready. run. The father then explains to the children that this is a sign that God's judgment will bypass them and their household. (laughs) Don't miss the picture. This is a beautiful picture. While God's people were getting ready to be set free from the slavery of Egypt, there was an indescribable wailing and weeping that was filling the homes of the Egyptians. While God's people were waiting and ready silently for their deliverance, a wail was coming from a thousand homes. Beloved, listen carefully, because this is a picture of what's going to happen in the last days, which I think we're in it. Every time I see the signs, I said, He's coming, He's coming. This is a picture of the believers in the last days in which we're living now. As believers faithfully wait, as believers readily wait, as believers packed up and ready to go, <laughs> waiting for the rapture, the non-believers will mourn and wail for eternity. As believers get caught up in the clouds, those who have rejected Jesus will be in fear and horror and judgment. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, in that day, there will be two people working in the field. One is lifted up, and the other one is staying to face the judgment. Two people will be threshing in the threshing floor. One will be taken up, and the other one will be facing the judgment of God. Two college roommates, one will be lifted up and taken and raptured with all the believers in the cloud in the sky, and while the other will stay to face the horrors of the judgment and wrath of God that is coming. It doesn't give me any joy, but I can tell you, this is the primary call of any church that calls itself the Church of Jesus Christ is to call men and women, is to plead with people, please flee, flee of the judgment that is coming. We can say Jesus can give you this, and Jesus can give you that, and Jesus can heal you, and Jesus can give you peace. But ultimately, Jesus came to save us from the wrath of God that is coming upon the world. And that is the call of this church, that we plead with people. Escape the judgment while you can. Pleading with people to come to God before, it's too late. I have no joy in saying this because I have some non-Christian friends to whom I'm witnessing, and I hate to think of them on that day without Jesus. But in the end, that's all I could do. That's all you can do. Those who are left behind, they shall mourn, and they shall groan, and they shall weep with the gnashing of teeth. Those who lived for self those whose lives revolved around themselves, those whose total focus in life was self, all will mourn and weep and wail forever and ever and ever with no end. Those who make all sorts of excuses as to why they will not believe because of this story or that story or because of this thing or the other thing. The God who loves Himself, reject Him. Those who laugh at the, and mock. Christians and, and Christian moral standards, they will face a forever pain and torment and sorrow and regret. While well, those who love Jesus will be with Him forever in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody may say, Michael, you just told us not long ago, in fact, in the last message, that so many of these Israelis were knee-deep in worshiping Apis, the bull god, just with, like the Egyptians. As a matter of fact, as I told you, in the wilderness, when Moses went up to heaven, they said, Aaron, here's our gold, make us a bull, and were, so we can bow to him. How come they got saved, but the Egyptians did not? This is a great question. I'm glad you thought of it. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you two questions before I answer it. Two questions. If an Egyptian family heard what Moses said, and they followed Moses' instruction, and they did slay a lamb, and a sprinkling of the blood on the doorposts, and went home and they did exactly as Moses said, here's the question. Is that family be saved? Yeah, God bless you. (laughs) Another quick question. If a Jewish family, an Israelite family, who heard what Moses said, they heard the instruction, they heard what God commanded them to do, but then one of them would say, man, this is ridiculous. How can killing of a lamb and the sprinkling of the blood on the doorpost going to save anybody? That is a ludicrous story. I'm not going to believe that. Furthermore, I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) I don't eat meat. I want to be kind to animals. I'm not going to do that. Will that Israelite family be saved? No. The question is not who was in sin, but who obeyed God. Now, I cannot question the sovereignty of God and the grace of God. That's something above my pay grade. (laughs) Just because the Israelites would not have been saved had they not obeyed Moses, there would be some people who claimed to be Christians but never lived in obedience. And my goodness, everybody claims to be Christians in these days. Somebody who claimed to be Christian will escape the judgment of God. In fact, they'll be in a worse shape than those who have never heard. Just hearing Moses' instruction would not have saved them. Only obedience to that instruction. The Bible makes it very clear. A church cannot save you. Going to Mass cannot save you. A denomination cannot save you. A pastor, priest, or bishop, or pope cannot save you. Intellectually giving an assent to Christian doctrine will not save you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ that was sprinkled on the doorpost of your heart and your soul will save you. I met some poor people that my heart aches for that think that they are good enough for God, that God will not have a choice but to get them in. There are some who think that they've done enough good, just enough, to get them in. Please, 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 if this one of you, think again, think again. It is obedience to God, as revealed in the Word of God, will get you to heaven. Only those who evidence that obedience in their life will make it to heaven. But again, someone might say, Michael, do you mean to tell me if someone like the thief on the cross who comes to Jesus in repentance at the last minute of his or her life, uh, they will not be saved? (laughs) If I say that, then I'm replacing God. That's the bottom line, which is the biggest blasphemy. The only thing we know is the criterion by which the Bible tells us how to be saved, namely that person who has surrendered his or her life to Jesus Christ, repented of their sins, received His forgiveness, and received Jesus as the Savior, the only Savior, and Lord of their life, will make it to heaven. That's all I know. That's from a human perspective. What God does with a person in His last few moments, that's God's business. That's God's business. And that is why the person who rejects God's only way of salvation, the person who thinks that God should accept Him on the basis of anything else other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, that person is going to be in a world of hurt. Our Muslim friends, for example, they say that because they believe Jesus was perfect and sinless, but He was a man nonetheless, only a man. He was sinless, but He was a man. They said, how can God... Allow this to happen for a man, perfect and sinless, to die on a cross. See, they don't understand the need for redemption. They don't understand the need for forgiveness. They just think you do some good things and God will get you in. Because it's just a man. How can God do that to him? No, no, we can't accept that. I can't refuse to accept that. God said that this is my only way. This is my only way to forgive sins. This is my only way to redeem a life. Their opinion and the opinion of all the other misguided people notwithstanding. Or a humanist-centered person might say, well, you know the idea of somebody else paying for my mistakes, uh, somebody else paying for the wages of my sins, somebody else paying my debt, that offends my pride. And I said, you're right, Baba. (laughs) It's supposed to it's supposed to offend your pride. And that's exactly what God did. Beloved, the cross devastates human pride. The cross devastates human arrogance. The cross devastates human effort. The cross devastates our desire to save ourselves. The cross devastates our wanting to take credit for salvation. And that is why, listen carefully, that's why the Bible from cover to cover says, Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Have you ever thought about it at length as to why? why the ACLU suing people in courts, removing crosses from public life? Get rid of the crosses. Get rid of the cross. Don't have it in public life. And sadly, so many misguided churches, they're removing crosses from their building, too. Some new ones that have no sign of the cross anywhere. You see, whether they know it or not, trust me, they are doing Satan's bidding. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Say it with me. There is power in the blood of Jesus. That's why the cross is central. They can remove it all they want, but we will hold it high. We will hold high the cross. Forever we will hold high the cross until we see the resurrected, glorified Jesus. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it tells us that we can only defeat Satan, that we can only defeat sin, that we can only be victorious through the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of our Word. That's the Word of God said it. Let me tell you, when you comprehend, when you understand, And when you live minute by minute in the power of the blood of Jesus, you will know that that is the one thing that defeats the devil and all of his cohorts. When you plead the blood of Jesus in a serious way, when you know how to do that, it will revolutionize your Christian life. Satan knows that he is easily defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of your testimony. That's why in many old churches, many mainline churches, they went to the hymnal. They took out all the hymns that had to do with the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. They got it all out. But beloved, let me tell you, when you place yourself under the blood of Jesus, Satan will flee. Temptation will be defeated. Sin will be conquered. Victory is won. There is power in the blood. Say it again. There is power in the blood. Again, finally, some of you might be asking, why so much power in the blood of Jesus? The Bible said, scientists said, medicine said, that life is in the blood. You drain the blood from the body, and there's no life. Life is in the blood. And when you totally realize that when Jesus shed that blood on the cross, He gave up His life. His life was in the blood. He gave that life for you. And when you understand this, then you are totally identifying with the life of Christ that He gave up for you. When you claim the power of the blood, you are saying, that same blood that saved me from hell can empower me today to defeat sin and Satan and temptation right now, here and now but please be careful. Be very careful. I've seen it. This is not a magic formula. This is not something that you just regagitate. It's in vain repetition. No, 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 sir. Be very careful. Rather, when you claim the blood of Jesus and the power in that blood, it is because you are walking day in and day out, minute by minute, under the power of the blood of Jesus. Only then will you see power over addiction, power over temptation, power over cleansing and forgiveness, power to serve and to minister. When you walk and you talk and you speak the power of the blood of Jesus, you are joining the multitudes in heaven. And the Bible tells us what are they saying? To Him who sits on the throne, to Him who loved us, and washed us from sin by His own blood. To Him, glory, power, and dominion, now and forever. Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen.
0: Would you like to have victory over the people and things that control your life? Experience the power of the blood of Jesus today ltw.org slash Jesus ltw.org slash Jesus
1: In a world so desperately in need of truth and hope, Leading the Way is meeting the challenge. Through Leading the Way's Vision 2025 campaign, our mission to hear from one million souls who have come to Christ through Leading the Way's global ministry. Reaching around the entire globe is Leading the Way's award-winning satellite television channel, The Kingdom Sat. Specifically reaching Arabic-speaking countries and populations, The Kingdom Sat is continuing to grow, and as a part of Vision 2025, our plan is to double its audience. This past year, we have started producing a host of new programming. New programs for women, apologetics programs, as well as indigenous worship programs. The Kingdom Sat aired over 100 live broadcasts to over 195 million homes in the world, including two live events in the Middle East, hosted by Dr. Youssef. With each passing year, the world keeps changing, but our calling is the same. Leading the way is right there on the cutting edge, adapting to the new tech and media landscape, using every tool to reach the world with the hope of Jesus. Contact us today to find out how you can join with Leading the Way's global outreach and become a part of what God is doing through this worldwide ministry.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Yusuf and the worldwide impact of Leading the Way, speak to a ministry representative at our call centre, 1-300-133-589 or online at ltw.org. ltw.org. Well, that's it for today. But the invitation is always open for you to join Dr. Youssef next time for more Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect further via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org.